0: Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. This week, joining us, the Darshman Shrew, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group, and we are on for an hour today. So this is going to be a content-packed hour.
1: You mean just for an hour today?
0: What did what I you say? mean to say. What did I say?
1: On for an hour. Like, it sounds like we're typically on for 10 minutes.
0: We're usually on for three hours. Know,
1: that's what I was going to say. Okay. So the group... Here, that you're listening to this music is called the Locust Fork Band. They started in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, early 70s. Heavy influence of Marshall Tucker. Turn it up a little. Um, Almond Brothers. They're kind of like an Alabama version of the Almond Brothers. Never got near as big. Played at Sewanee when I was in college there several times. Got real big uh, down in Mobile, which of course is where, you know, Jimmy Buffett is from. And uh, he had established kind of a big music scene there. Several big places where people perform down there. They also have their own Mardi Gras in Mobile, and a lot of bands would play. I never went to that, but they did play numerous times up on the mountain at Suwanee and they just great performers.
0: Uh, this one sounds like Glenn Campbell, sort of.
1: No, this sounds like the Allman Brothers uh, to me. Or, or Marshall Tucker.
0: Or John Denver.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, all right, so... Uh, all right, just pull up Heard It in a Love Song by Marshall Tucker, and let's just see if... It, there is not a comparison heard it in a love song, but but anyway, these guys played um, all over Alabama, Birmingham, and it's they're very regional. People in Nashville had never heard of them, um, but we knew we had a lot of people from the state of Alabama at my school, and um, you know they. They would play there. And then we also had a lot of people from South Carolina, just where this band is from. Spartanburg, to be exact. Marshall Tucker Band. The Marshall Tucker Band. All that music being produced kind of in the early to mid-70s. Southern rock.
0: All right, let's jump into our content. We only got a this short is time this morning. I okay. got to tell you,
1: this is the content.
0: All right, you're the boss.
1: No, the world's not going to change based on our opinion of the markets, but
2: people, people need t- to hear some of this. The, they, need, to they, need, the market, they need to hear about the markets. They need to hear a little <laughs> of this
1: music. Play the refrain, and I'll get off here in a second. So you can hear some of the influence and, uh, you know, that's what I like to do is show that stuff. All right. I'm going to read the Psalm, Psalm 61, English standard version. Hear my cry. Oh God, listen to my prayer from the end of the earth. I call to you when my heart is faint, when the market's down a thousand points, I'm not trying to be real. Bad here. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been, and we're not talking about Black Rock, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O oh God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Psalm 61. Okay. Now, you know, six months ago, a year ago, well, three months ago, four months ago, we were seeing oil prices uh, at over $120 a barrel. It looked like that, you know, the farmers would not be able to plant this past summer because typically they are fairly heavily reliant upon um, chemical fertilizer, which, you know, natural gas is a major input, uh, potash, a major input which has to be mined in typically Saskatchewan uh, or South America. you know so these these things were in short supply. you know it looked like fertilizer was going to cost a thousand bucks a ton or something. My how things have changed. So uh, Mike has this article here from The Wall Street Journal uh which is uh pretty interesting so you might want to get into that
2: yeah so this is specifically on the the company uh, scott's miracle grow um it it just it what's happened with them uh it's so interesting because it's it's what's happening across the board to varying degrees with different companies retailers so scott's they're, one of their biggest uh, feedstocks, if you will, input costs being natural gas, you know, for urea. And um, they're actually stockpiling urea right now as they think that it'll continue to go up in price. But anyway, what what happened um, coming out of COVID, there was huge demand, and we, we've talked about it before that you had this demand pull forward. I mean, you think of Clorox wipes, you know, pantry stuffing for Clorox wipes. The same thing for, uh, you know, Scott's miracle Grow products. People were buying these high demand... Up, up ahead, because uh, they felt,
1: felt like the price was going to double again. Well,
2: th- that and coming out of COVID, uh, or, or in COVID during, uh, they couldn't leave their house. And so, yeah. you know, for that summer, that's what people did. You know, they gardened. And so they needed fertilizer, different things. So the problem that they ran into, they couldn't produce enough because coming out of COVID, the, uh, workers, uh, that you had the, the supply crunch where they couldn't produce what the demand was. And they, they estimate that they left about 200 million, uh, in sales on the table because they couldn't produce enough. So what they did, uh, they, they expanded, uh, their operations. They upgraded their factories, uh, with the anticipation that demand will continue to be what it has been, the problem is, is the retailer, be it Lowe's, Home Depot, um, they're not they they've been selling down their inventory. So Scotts, they ramped up production. They have all this inventory that's being held at Scotts. With in this instance, that inventory represents cash you know, their cash levels have dropped substantially. They're laying off people. They're having problems right now. So they produced all this. Is,
1: is it a leveraged business? I mean, are, do, they, do they owe a lot of money? Or they,
2: I, I haven't looked at their balance sheet that okay. closely. You uh,
1: might want to take a look. Yeah. I mean, if if they're a leveraged business, and that's not a good omen. You know, they're the right. one thing they do have is a great brand name. You know, yes. it's well known. And they have bought... Just about everybody out there in this business, so I guarantee you they've got debt. I I mean, uh, you know, they bought every uh, thing that you see out there that looks like it's its own deal. Then you find out it's owned by Scotts.
2: Yeah, well, their their cash position uh, at the end of June was only twenty eight million, and that's gone down from two hundred and forty four million. So mean, oh they've been gosh. burning through. What's cash. the stock done? It must be down. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's dropped substantially.
3: Uh, it peaked. Um, so it peaked over almost two fifty. This was early twenty twenty one, and today it's at fifty three. Yeah. yeah. So it did. What was that back in
1: oh eight? That fertilizer company that just went through the roof. Uh, Remember when fertilizer uh, it, it had a funny name.
3: Uh, well they I mean, all of them went through the roof. Yeah, they—they, they,
1: but there was one, and I can't think of the name of it, got to like three or four hundred bucks a share, and now it's like not existent or, <laughs> or yeah. it, it was um, not Abacus, but uh, something that sounds sort of like Abacus.
3: but um, was it intrepid?
1: No, it was another strange name didn't sound like a fertilizer company, uh, stock name. Uh, but you know, these commodity plays, so that's even way out on the whiplash end. That's even worse than an oil and gas stock because it's got oil and gas inputs. You know, it's like, it's like a commodity stock leveraged.
2: Exactly. And, and the other dynamics you have, the, the, like you said, a, a commodity stock leveraged, but they're also relying on the retailer. And one of the examples they use, because they have such a huge supply, the retailer knows that they can get deliveries from them quickly. So the retailer is willing to spend to to sell down their inventory. And then just draw from Scotts as needed, and so they've they've backed themselves into a corner because the retailer's trying to burn through their inventory. So you they're, know they're the, getting, they're doing just in time now, basically, and they're letting or they're and they're forcing Scotts to hold that inventory while they're doing the just in time because the retailer's trying to sell mosaic the, the gr- mosaic yeah uh, trying to sell grills and more durable uh, goods, um, so it, it's this i mean every every company has a story but those stories give you insight as to what's actually going on under the i surface. think
1: the thing if you were going to learn something out of this you have to be very careful if you're in a commodity business for ramping way up for you think you're going to make a killing if you don't understand that shortages beget surpluses and surpluses beget shortages. That's how the commodity business works. No shortage is ever a shortage forever. No surplus is ever a surplus forever. You know, and I never forget uh, when I lived in Houston in the 80s, there was a um, guy up in Oklahoma had about forty or fifty acres, no more than that. He stockpiled um, pipe from drilling uh, places when they were almost—you could go just almost come pick it up and take it. Yeah, you know they—they they had no use for it. Stockpiled it. The next time the uh, market got hot. And, you know, there was a shortage of all that stuff. He made a killing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you keep your head about you, you can do this and and do okay with it. But you have to be uh, wise about um, allocating, you know. And, and this guy just, uh, you know, he evidently did not operate very wisely. And now the company's in trouble.
2: Yeah. I didn't realize this. Uh, Scotts was founded in 1868, um, but the other lesson uh, is not to deviate from the long-term plan. Yeah, because what what their uh, mode of operation is always very slow, steady plotting, uh, not to get caught up in these boom busts craziness, things. craziness. Um, but they did this time.
1: Yeah, uh, that's that's very unfortunate. Yeah. Now. I tell you, I think they probably had it coming to them because they probably got a little greedy and tried to buy all these brands and all the competition out there. I mean, I I used a uh, kind of uh, mulch that I really liked. It was called Whitney Farms. They used to have it at Costco. It's gone now. Mm -hmm. Well, it was bought by Scott's, and they probably took it off the market you know, in order to make way for some other thing they have. And, uh, so I think the SOBs are getting what's coming to them. I didn't know. I didn't know they bought Whitney Farms. Yeah. It's owned by Whitney Farms and you cannot find it anywhere. So my guess is they just quit making it. Yeah. You know, which kind of ticks me off, you know, and, and (laughs) so I stocks at 50, maybe it ought to go to 20, (laughs) you know, uh, but, uh, you have to be very careful about trying to corner the market on any commodity with debt. (laughs) You know, that's very dangerous.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very dangerous. But it also, you know, this is a good insight on, on the inflation side of things too. Um, you know, exactly. If, if you have this plan, I mean, this, Uh,
1: this thing's going to turn around here.
2: Right. Right. you've got the the commodity prices doing what they have done being where they are now um you have the retailers that are kind of unloading things out there uh you've got the producers that have huge inventory uh i mean to me that's at least disinflationary right
3: and uh Just about a month, month and a half ago, uh, we heard from Target and uh, Walmart, and they uh, got stuck with surplus inventory also. So I I think, you know, there was some unusual behavior on the part of consumers during the pandemic. The big reason was that people had cash. Many people kept working. uh, There was obviously stimulus, and people could not spend on services. So they couldn't fly. They couldn't go to restaurants. Right. They couldn't get haircuts. So they started spending on just buying stuff online. So all these companies saw a big windfall and they projected that to continue for a while, right. which it obviously did not. Uh, Scots is one example, but there are many others. Uh, and uh, as you said earlier, demand was pulled forward and now we are seeing you know, that demand just go away because people have already stockpiled.
2: The demand's going away while the supply is increasing.
3: Right. Yeah, I
1: mean, the problem that you're seeing is... um, You can't... Well, I I saw something on on the... uh, It sort of relates to this. There's a guy named Nick Saban who coaches the University of Alabama football team, and they had him on a press conference and basically they said, you know, you're playing a bad team this week, a good team next week. How can you tell if your players are really getting better or not? And he kind of got ticked off because he said, do you expect us to play down to the level of our opponents? In other words, we're going to play our game no matter who we're playing. We're not going to let whether the, uh pundits say we're supposed to win by 50 points or lose by 10 points affect how we play the game that can be applied to this yeah it really it, it's if you think about it you should execute within your boundaries bill ambrose our uh, our our chief compliance officer tells a story about when he was working at uh, uh the bank that he knew an older guy that Uh, worked at the bank and uh, or it might have been at another bank but he was kind of a loan guy and they would bring this loan into uh, the loan committee and the guy looked at and, and it was like making a loan in another state he said that's an awful long way from cheap side you know in other words how do we know if this is a good loan or not we don't really know the people you know these guys know how to do what they do in the way they do it. And then they try to make a big killing. They go out and try to corner the market, buying up all the competitors. Then they think they're going to make a big score, you know, because prices go up. I think they're getting what they've got coming to them. So, I mean, <laughs> if stock gets to 20, I'm a, I'm a buyer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting. Um, you don't see – very often, you don't see moves like this from old established companies. They're typically very disciplined, typically. Um, but you do see it a lot with investors, uh, where where they've, you know, they've stuck to a, a, a certain plan for a long time. You know, they know their strengths. Um, they know what they're good at. And, you know, always looking at it, looking at ways to improve. And, just, just like with them, uh, it could be greed, could be fear, but something shakes them and they deviate and then you have the repercussions. Right. And so, you know, as investors first, have a plan, stick to that long-term plan. Don't deviate from it just because something is going on unless there's a real problem.
0: Well, and I guess you teed me up to get this music started and close this half of the hour out, we are Disciplined Investors. If you want us to take a look at your portfolio and make sure that you are positioned and that you know what you own, give us a call, 859 233 at Dupree Financial Group, and we would be happy to take a look at your portfolio and give you a complimentary review of what you got You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Mashroo, Mike Johnson, and our host Tom Dupree. We are one hour today just before the start of University of Kentucky football programming. So I'm going to get on out of this segment. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
1: It's football
0: time in the bluegrass. And we will be right back. Stay tuned.
1: Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. As I've told you before, I've been working in downtown Lexington for nearly 40 years. Never before have I more seen the need for new leadership in our city than now. If you're wondering why outlaws feel they can fire gunshots in our community without fear of reprisal, look no further than City Hall. Show up to the council meeting Thursday, September 22nd, 6 p.m. at 200 East Main Street, second floor, and make your voices heard. If you remain uninvolved, nothing will improve. Sign up to speak for three minutes. Let the council know your thoughts. At the Financial Group, we try to manage investment portfolios the same way we believe a city should be managed wisely. Call us for a free review of your retirement investment portfolios at 859-233-0400.
0: Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this segment are Darshmeshru, Mike Johnson, our host Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So you
1: That's more of the uh, close your eyes. the uh, okay. Now I got another song. I want you to pull up
0: Locust Fork no, Band. No, this is the
1: Locust Fork Band. <laughs> the guitar thing there is a Dickie Betts esque. All right, pull up Little Martha. By the Almond Brothers and play it. I think
0: he wants to play. Name this tune <laughs> you know me and see if what? I can find it. This is it.
1: my show. Uh, <laughs> All right, play, pull up, pull up, Little Martha by the Almond Brothers and see if it, it's that. Sounds like Dickie Betts to me. What about you, Mark? Oh
2: uh, yeah, absolutely. It uh... Uh, turn it up.
0: It it's just getting started.
1: All right. Well, it's sort of close.
0: I'm not seeing it, hearing it. Okay. Maybe with the.
1: Maybe that's the wrong song. <laughs>
0: that's
1: well, all right. right. It's still <laughs> a good. Yeah, Leo Kotke good, Leo Kotke
0: does a little Martha too.
1: Yeah, he does. But that he does that with uh, the the boy that's with um, Susan Tedeschi
0: and so does uh, Jerry Douglas
1: yeah he does he does Little Martha with Jerry Douglas They're Jerry trucks. Douglas no Leo Kotke and Jerry Douglas do oh. do that who is this one by
0: this is the Almond Brothers and then yeah. there's also a Dwayne Allman so that's Allman. Dickie
1: Betts right there and okay. Dwayne does, uh, it, but that wasn't really Dwayne and um, and uh, Greg's style of playing alright
0: right. let's get on with the
2: show this but, is the show <laughs> But the, the Dicky bets when he's playing electric guitar, yeah. it sounds a yeah, lot that, like. Yeah, there, there's the another track. song I
1: was reaching for that I it wasn't the same song.
2: All right, go <laughs> ahead.
0: <laughs> it's a good song, Tom.
2: So one of the things that's interesting right now, too, um, mortgage rates, uh, they've, they've topped 6% for the first time since 2008. Um, you know, we're. You look at what the Fed's doing, uh, the interest rates going up. It's having an impact on the markets. You know, the, the one-year Treasury. shut
1: housing down. I mean, we, you know, you sat around waiting on getting a mortgage for the last three weeks. You've gotten yep. it shoved up your nose. You could have done four and a half percent, maybe three months ago. Now you're looking at six percent, and on a two, three hundred thousand mortgage, that's probably three, four hundred dollars a month more. Sure, in in interest that you're paying because you sat around and didn't do it.
2: Well, and and you you think of the non bank financial uh, institutions that came about, you know, doing the refis and different things. I, this this number blew my mind. Um, in 2020, uh, there were 19 million mortgages out there that could be refinanced. What they call beneficial, which is 75 basis points below where the rate, yeah. what their rate was um, today, only 452 thousand homeowners. So, yeah, it's ca- going
1: to shut down housing. You're going to see house prices fall in major markets. I think anywhere from 15 to 20 percent over the next 12 to 18 months. I mean, yep. it, how can it not? Because you've got all these marginal borrowers anyway, paying the maximum they can pay for a house. And especially, I think you're going to see it in not the real expensive houses. Cause those people have got cash anyway. It's going to be your mid range houses where they're having to get financing. And all of a sudden they don't qualify, you know, and, yep. and that's, See, the thing that I hate about all this stuff is it doesn't hit the wealthy people. In fact, this helps people that that have a lot of money. It hits people like the people we deal with, the people that have uh, moderate-sized houses, investment accounts, and things like that, or younger folks that might be wanting to go buy a starter home. They haven't gotten their mortgage yet. They've been shopping around. Now the mortgage rate's at 6% because they sat around and didn't do anything and you know, they might've bought a house six months ago and paid X and you saw it coming. And now with mortgage rates where they are, you
3: are going to see softness in house prices. I don't see any way around it. No, I, I completely agree. And I think you're starting to see that, uh, to some extent there's companies like Redfin that put out data on what's happening and, you are seeing a slowdown, uh, you know, at least prices are not moving up and homes are taking longer to sell. So, but as you said, you know, it's, it's purely uh, a function of, uh, you know, how much more it costs to service that mortgage and, you know,
2: that makes it, the house
1: more expensive Exactly. To you yes, because right. it's, it's coming out of your paycheck every month.
2: Right. They, they broke it down, um, a $500,000 house with a 20% down and they they figured it at a rate of 2.86. I never uh, I don't remember them getting quite yeah, there. Yeah, they on did a, actually. On the they 30? got under 3 uh, on a 30. On a 30. On oh, 30. Geez. So at 2.86 that's about 200,000 in interest over 30 years. Um, the rates at 6%, 6.02% instead of 200,000 it's 465,000 in interest payments over the 30 life. years. Yeah.
1: So what is that Translate like on a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage, two fifty. What is that a month? A couple hundred bucks, maybe, probably. Yeah. yeah. So you know that's uh, the the thing of it is, it's just it's not fair to the the small guy. Mm-hmm. He's the one that gets screwed, you know. And if well, anyway, I'm not going to get into politics, but this is not good. And it's not a good solution. The government is who went out and spent all this money. And now we're paying in the form of inflation. It has nothing to do with the economy being hot. It has to do with too much money being printed, too much money chasing too few goods. It makes the cost of things go up. But ultimately the market does finally correct itself. You know, you're seeing... Companies do stupid things like Scotts did. Produce too much. Now there's a whole bunch of how how many other companies is of course there's still companies where there's scarcities in things too. Yeah. There's still difficulty getting certain certain things. Chips. I don't know, you know, if they're able to produce cars like they if that's. <laughs> starting to free up and you're getting more chips i know the biden administration is out there throwing money around trying to beef up the semiconductor industry that'll just do the opposite
3: of what they think they want it to do but
1: i don't know what's going on with the chip thing
3: yeah so even there uh things are uh you know loosening up loosening up yes i, I think it was uh, Micron, which. They announced a few weeks ago, but now there's you know the the balance has shifted there's no longer an undersupply and used car prices have been dropping although new car prices haven't dropped as much they're still pretty
0: there's got to be a glut in the new car part too though, because they had so many cars sitting waiting for those chips, right
3: right, yes,
1: yep so I mean you know it, it's going to be huh, I mean I predicted by this time next year. I think there's a chance that you're back to a one-handle on the 10-year, meaning, you know, <laughs> bonds may be the place to be right now because, you know, you get better uh, duration with a longer-term bond. Uh, and if rates do come down, if we do have a significant moderation in inflation around the corner, I saw gasoline at three dollars a gallon now, for regular, uh, diesel's still uh, four dollars and forty something cents, and that's down at the Sam's in uh, in in Nicholasville. I mean, it's still five bucks here in Lexington. I don't know what people think; they're willing to just you know let themselves be like a tied up goat. But uh, you know, <laughs> you, you you just absolutely. You got to be careful about what you spend on this stuff, but you know but the problem is is that uh, we're going to wake up and there's not going to be much demand for certain things. I mean, you could see oil at sixty bucks a barrel.
2: Sure, sure. You know, very quickly. Yeah, is she uh, talking about the non financial or non bank institutions? Yeah, we're we're looking at uh, Lending Tree yesterday. And that stock peaked at over 400. Today, it's at 31. And Are you kidding me? 31. But What would you sell yours at? <laughs> higher than 31. <laughs> um, that was getting ready to be your retirement. <laughs> I know, right? And that was not I, in our portfolio, was it? Like a, I thought that was to the moon. <laughs> yeah. right? that, yeah. that
0: was Mike's <laughs> private investment, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, he's going to say see you guys later.
2: <laughs> but it... it um. It's one of those that they they saw an opportunity and and it was great for that they saw the opportunity, sure. but they weren't able to diversify into other things that were a, a profitable. Is mean, the problem
1: there? People just aren't using well, the no, app. No, no
2: nobody's. Everybody has refinanced. Nobody out of nineteen million only four hundred twenty five thousand mortgages. Ha- could be refinanced now and so everybody's refinanced oh, economically a- a- yeah yeah and so nobody they're not getting the ad spend because they're they're more of a tech company that's an ad spend kind of thing. sure and so all those factors combined i mean it's just it's going to be a big pile of nothing um but it's, looked it looked like it was the best thing since well yeah but, but it's similar to like what scott's did you know they, yeah. they saw this and they were all in. Once they were all in, then they like, okay, well, what are we gonna do when this ends? Because it's <laughs> and they couldn't figure it out. Um,
1: they tried to kind of diversify into. They did some other, like insurance and things.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you've got other companies out there that are like Is uh, good or better, like Lemonade. Uh, I, I think they've never sort of, heard of them. I think they're specifically on insurance. I think, right? Yeah, they actually
3: write underwrite insurance. Yeah, they yeah they're
2: actually yeah. the underwriter. But you you have booms and busts in in everything, and you have companies that do stupid stuff during that. But w- what we're always looking for are companies that are disciplined. You know, you look at you know some of the energy companies right now you know that's been disciplined for the last they've had to eight be. years the market told them incredibly and they just
1: said it doesn't matter what you know the prices go up down sideways yeah the really good ones have had to get incredibly disciplined partially because the amount of capital that's required you know to be in that business is just amazingly high and yeah. and so you know you've got to be very disciplined in what you do and then there's all the environmental regulations and things like that so the yeah. good companies have to be very careful about what well, they
2: do and you, you there's there's seasons that it makes sense to own something uh, or certain certain sectors of the market i mean you look at insurance companies they they've got some headwinds right now but even with that a good insurance company is extremely disciplined because they're they're they are in the long-run business. Exactly. Yeah. And so they... they Depending
1: upon what kind of insurance they, they sell. True, but, true. You know.
2: But they... A good insurance company is one that is staying disciplined. And that that's a, a big... Th- I mean, with the companies, with investors, uh, you have to have that discipline, um, which is to say when enough is enough, uh, when to be a little more bold, uh, but, but never to go all in, all out. It's, it's, it's like managing an investment portfolio. Like what we do, it's, it's discipline. It's balancing the needs, where they are today, where the market is. It's always this balancing act.
1: Well, one of the things, you know, people are kind of frozen right now on their investments. They're not They're not responding to stimuli that used to get them to respond. If you listen to this show, uh, we would like to talk to you about your investments. It doesn't matter if you don't think you've got very much or you've got a lot. And there is absolutely no, uh, there's no uh, obligation to do business with us if you come in and meet with us. I mean, if, if we weren't serious about meeting with people, why would we sit here and do this radio show? It's like, well, you know, you just like hearing your voice. Not really. Um, The point is to get people interested in coming in, talking to us. So pick up the phone and call us right now. If you're listening to the show, I sound like I'm on a a daggone um, infomercial, but what the heck, I'll be an infomercial for the next five minutes. Uh, Just call us. Give us a phone call, 859-233-0400. There won't be anybody here. Leave a message. There's
0: somebody here from about 830 until 5 every day. This is is on a
1: Saturday, Elizabeth. Well, I know, but they can call Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. No, I I just said call us right now. Call us right now and leave a message. We'll get back to you. There isn't going to be anybody answering the phone. You will get the answering machine. And then um, we'll call you back, set an appointment, get together with you, and go over your investments and just tell you either you're doing great or you're not doing so great or you're in trouble. You know, (laughs) it won't cost you anything. I think a lot of people quite frankly, don't do this because it's kind of like going to the doctor. I don't think they want to know the answer. You know, I found myself doing that. I went to the doctor the other day. I didn't really want to go minute they did my blood pressure and I knew it was good, I'm just like, I can can leave now, you know. It's like there's sometimes you don't want to know because you think, what if there is something wrong with me? And you start getting this sinking feeling in your stomach. And you think you get in here to see a financial advisor. You think, oh, I've screwed up. I haven't done it right. And you feel bad about it. And then we get people who come in, ask all these questions. We tell them what to do. They say, you know, that sounds interesting. And then they say, well, no, I'm not going to do that. I can't quite understand that approach. I can understand coming, looking at it and saying, maybe I can't do this right now, but maybe I can. And, you know, it's better than not paying attention to it.
2: Well, that, that's the, I think, some people there's an intimidation factor uh maybe they've never had an advisor or you know they've they've been in a 401k 403b kind of deal uh, and they don't know what to expect they think you know we're gonna be judgmental talk down to them or whatnot i, I think some people fall into that category um and we are absolutely not that in any way shape or form um and but it's it's information um you don't
1: i I was that way one
2: time i Remember
1: that guy came in he had a very small amount of money and he said i'm i'm retiring next year and i kind of went no you're not (laughs) well
2: that's not Uh, that's not judgmental though that's that's nor is that bad information it could come across
1: as judgmental but
2: Well, but it's not. I think I hurt his feelings. Well, it's not. It's not casting judgment. It's looking at the facts. I will say this: (laughs)
1: some one time we had some guy come in. He's probably his early thirties. Remember that guy? He he was all worried about his retirement. You know, he's like thirty-two years old. Am I putting enough aside? He keeps going on and on. I finally looked at him and said get a life. You know, go do something different. Don't worry about this stuff till you're like 50, you know. I said, "Man, you you you're worrying too much. You know, for somebody in their early 30s, there's nothing wrong with putting money into an IRA and that kind of thing, but you got other things to think about than retirement. Believe me. <laughs> but there are the, all
0: those charts and everything that it says if you start putting away X amount of dollars well, when you're well, 22 versus point. 40. It, yeah, well, you, just you do it so and don't you so far ahead of the it. game. What you were telling the guys to get on with your life, do what you're doing, it's working, and you're way ahead of the game. That would have been.
2: Well, and it's. He was. Because uh, I remember it, and he was. War. He was literally he was worrying himself, and it had to do with no, market that's market stupid. volatility. It's like, look, if you didn't have enough to worry about losing, and and exactly, and he's contributing. So yeah. market volatility so is like that's fine. your friend at that point in time. Yeah, All right. Put it back in there. Sounds
1: good. So go Wildcats!
0: Oh Lord, or, or,
1: whoever Youngstown State.
0: Yeah, Florida last weekend was a great game. This one, I I hope that. They keep up the same path that they're on, because what are they, top 10 ranked now? Yep. I love it. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darshman Shrew, Mike Johnson, and our host, Tom Dupree. We are only on for an hour today, because Kentucky football is coming up, the pregame shows. If you want to give us a call, as Tom has mentioned, 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website, duprefinancial.com, and click on the chat tab, and we'll get back to you sooner than leaving a message on the phone to set up um, a time to give a portfolio review. We will talk to you next week, and go Cats!